Follow Me is the third installment in our Life of Christ series. In this series, we are looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus and have our lives reflect His glory. We will be looking at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you are interested in knowing more about Jesus, Christianity, or our community of faith at Christ Church at Grove Farm, I encourage you to reach out to us on our website, ccgf.org. Our pastors and staff would love to connect with you and assist you in your walk with Christ. Here's the message from this week. Grace and peace to you. It is good to be with you this morning. If we have not met yet, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. I look forward to meeting you maybe after the service in the Mitten Commons. Well, before we jump into the message this morning, I have an announcement for you. Uh, next week, we are starting a, a new series entitled Grace, Grit, and Growth. Uh, I'm excited about this series because we're going to be looking at spiritual disciplines in our life, which are the things that we can do that kind of create the space for us to hear the Word of God, if you will. We'll be looking at things like worship. We'll be looking at things like fellowship, solitude, those things that we can build into our lives that posture us in such a way that we can grow closer to God. In addition to what we're learning on the weekend, though, we're also adding something we call uh, Wednesdays in Wilson, Wilson Hall, which is just on the other side of the Mitten Commons if you have not been there. And on Wednesday evenings, we're going to be gathering together for a time of worship, a time of teaching, and a time of small groups. Uh, if you joined us during the Lenten season last spring, you know that this was a special time. We had about 25 to 30 different small groups that were meeting on Wednesday evenings. We'll be doing a deeper dive into what we're looking at on the weekend and applying it to our lives during this time on Wednesday nights. Wednesday evenings will start on October 12th, so mark that on your calendars. Please join us. Please register uh, as well. If you have a small group, you can come together as your small group. If there's one or two individuals that you want to join with, there's a place to indicate that on the registration form as well. If you want to come by yourself solo, that's great. Just put your name down as well. Dinner will start at 5 p.m., and then our programming starts at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays for seven weeks during this time. I encourage you to be a part of that. Well, this morning we are in the final week of our series entitled The Life of Christ, Follow Me. And over the last nine weeks, we've been studying the Sermon of the Mount that is found in the book of Matthew in chapters 5 through 7. In these chapters, Jesus is showing us exactly what it looks like in a practical way, what it looks like for us to follow him in our daily lives. In a very real way, I like to think of this as a manual for the best way for us to live. Jesus talks about things like this. He talks about how to be light in a dark world, how we can use our lives to make a difference in this world. He teaches, teaches us how to forgive and release the desire for revenge when people harm us. Jesus teaches us how to look at other people with dignity, not driven by our own lust or selfish de desires. Jesus teaches us to be generous, to be humble. He tells us to love those who harm us. He teaches us how to know God deeply through prayer. He tells us to make investments in our lives in things that will last, things in eternity, how to make a true legacy. And he tells us not to worry, but rather to trust God in moments of life when we are afraid. Last week, Pastor Ed showed us that Jesus teaches us how to be free from the burden of judging other people as well. Well, then Jesus, in these verses that we're looking at today, wraps up this amazing teaching by giving us a choice. 
He uses four illustrations to communicate this choice. He says that there's a, a narrow gate and a wide gate. He says that there's a tree that bears fruit and a tree that doesn't bear fruit. He says there's a true relationship that we can have with him and a fake relationship that we can have with him. And he says that we can build, choose to build our lives on something solid or we can choose to build our lives on something that is less stable, something that will change and shift. If you have your Bibles, we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. And Jesus says these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And didn't we not in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now this is certainly a challenging passage and challenging words from Jesus for sure. One of my friends said that this is even one of those passages that haunts him personally. But it is one that presents to us, friends, a choice. And the first choice that I would encourage us to look at today is this. What type of relationship do you want with Jesus? Do you want to be his fan or do you want to be his friend? When it comes to Jesus, are you his fan or are you his friend? Now, these are completely different types of relationships with completely different types of rules, if you will. In some circumstances in life, I am a fan. I love sports. I grew up in a sports town where most of the teams that I cheered for did not win on an annual basis. You have, no you have no idea how lucky you are here in Pittsburgh, right? Matter of fact, in the city where I grew up in my lifetime, they have only experienced one championship. One championship in over 50 years. I must tell you, though, that was an amazing day. A great day, for sure. It felt very, very good. You see, a, a fan can have an emotional relationship with the person that they follow. Whether that person is on a field, on a court, whether on a stage or on the screen. A fan might, not, might know things about the individual that they support, but they don't actually know that individual personally. A fan relationship often is one way. It's self-serving. When the athlete or the actor or the leader does what the fan likes, well, then the relationship is good. But the moment that they don't, whoa, watch out. Fans can get nasty, can't they? Fans will yell things like, I never liked him, or he's a bum, or maybe even meaner things from the stadium steps or from the seats. A good friend of mine is the chaplain for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he told me this story last week when the Steelers were leaving the Cleveland Browns game that there was actually a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers that was berating uh, one of the, our, the athletes from our city and was yelling at him and telling him he was a bust, that he was no good. And he was standing next to my friend who was the chaplain. He was trying to console him a little bit, saying, hey, that's not true. And his friend who was the athlete, placed for the Steelers, looked at him and said, I didn't even play in this game. Why is he telling me that I'm a bum? I didn't even get a chance to play, right? Fans can be pretty mean. Let's not be fans like that. These are human beings, right? Let's always be reminded of that. A friend, though, on the other hand, 
It's a completely different type of relationship. A friend personally knows the individual whom they are a friend with. There is an intimacy, if you will, in friendships. Friends serve each other. Good friends care for each other. They listen. They follow through. Their actions display the nature of the relationship, which is different than a fan. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I decided to attend a high school football game in the area. There's a young man in our church, and he just started playing football, and I was excited to see him play, and, and I'm a fan of watching him play on the field. And so we decided to go to this game and, and watch him run around and make some catches and, and play some football. And so we went to the game, and about halfway through the game, we met up with his mother and father who were sitting in the stands. We were sitting in the row behind them, and you could see the difference in our relationship by the way that we reacted to what was happening on the field. Uh, at one moment, the, the quarterback dropped back and looked to this young man who's in our church and threw the ball up in the air to, to him to, see, to try to get him to catch the ball down the field. And I noticed that his mom, you know, I was sitting there just kind of relaxing, enjoying the game, cheering him on, but his mom all of a sudden sprung to her feet like she jumped up. As her son kind of ran on the field, she started moving as well in the bleachers. As he reached up to try to catch the ball, she, I think, reached up to try to catch the ball as well. And when she caught it, when he caught it, she celebrated way more than he celebrated down on the field. It was like she was playing one of those video games, you know, where you, you move your body around. They, if, you put it, if you put like a calorie tracker on both of them, I bet she burned more calories in that play than, than her son did who was actually playing. Now, we had a completely different experience about that play because we have a different relationship with that young man on the field. I care for this young man because I'm one of his pastors. I want to see him succeed on the field, and more importantly, I would like to see him succeed in life. But his parents, his parents love him. There's a completely different investment in his life. His dreams are their dreams. They know him better. They even watch him play the game, dramatically different than I do. You see, friends, there's a difference between a fan and a friend. Jesus knew that many who were listening to him as he wrapped up this Sermon on the Mount were actually fans. They liked him all right. His teachings were interesting, maybe even beneficial to their lives. But they didn't know Jesus, and they were not going to follow him. Their investment in Jesus was self-serving. They were good with Jesus when he did what they wanted him to do. But the moment that he didn't, well, they were among the ones yelling, crucify him, just a few years later. Friends, we have a choice. When it comes to Jesus, we can be a fan or we can be a friend. In verse 21, Jesus says that a friend is one that comes to Jesus seeking to do the will of the Father. That is one who obeys Jesus. That is one who follows him. So let me ask you this question this morning. What is the nature of your relationship with Jesus? Are you his friend or are you his fan? It's a choice that each and every one of us has to make. The second choice that we see in Scripture today is a, is a question, and that is, what will you build the foundation of your life upon? What is the foundation of your life? 
Jesus says it this way in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus continues now to present this decision to those who are listening to him, and he does this in a different way. He uses this picture of building a home, and he points out the importance of what a home is built upon. Now, a home, friends, when you think about it, is more than a building, isn't it? A home is almost a a sacred space. A home should be safe. A home should be comforting. A home should be filled with people that you love and that people who support you. A home is where the heart is, as some people say. I have, in fact, gone back to some of my old homes just to reminisce because there's good memories connected to those spaces. Jesus uses this imagery of a home, of security, of our lives. And he says that there's one who built their home on a rock. That is something solid. That is something secure. That is something that is unchanging. And when the storms come to this home, well, it stands because the foundation is solid and it's true. About 16 years ago, we moved to the Pittsburgh area and we were building a home in this area as we were moving from, from out west. And uh, I wasn't building the home. I don't know how to build anything. Ryan Holmes was actually building the home. But I would go over at the end of the day, uh, often two or three times a week, just to see the progress of the house. I I love watching guys that can build things. Uh, There's just an amazing science and art, and their knowledge is unbelievable. So I would just learn, like how they're laying a foundation or how they're wiring a house. And I remember the day that I went over uh, after they had laid the foundation of our home. And I walked into it, and I was talking to the, the project manager of our plan. I'm like, how did they do? They did a good job on our foundation? And he said, they did a great job on your foundation. He goes, let me show you something. And he took out one of these. This is a carpenter's angle. It's a perfect right angle. And he walked over to the corner of my foundation. He goes, take a look at this. And he put this in the corner of the foundation. He goes, look at how true that is. They got this one right. And he walked over to the other side of the house, and he goes, look at this one. The other corner of the foundation, he goes, look at this one. We got this one right. And he went to each of the corners of the foundation of my house, and he said, your foundation is solid. It's true. And as we build this house, it's going to avoid a lot of problems. He said, there's this other house down the street that's really a mess. The guys didn't pour it is true. And we'll be making up that difference every, every inch that we build from here on up. And if the house settles, we'll have nail pops and a, a number of things that will annoy them. Jesus says that there's one individual who built his house on a strong foundation. It was true, and it withstood the storms of life. But another person built their house on the sand. Maybe they were close to a river, or maybe they wanted beachfront property. The foundation, though, was not as secure. And when the storms of life came, well, this house fell. I have been watching, and you've probably been watching as well, just the tragic damage of Hurricane Ian. 
And even with all the knowledge and all the technology that we have today, we can see the unique challenges of building a home on the sand, especially when the storms come. The difference, though, in the foundation is clear. Jesus says that everyone who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice, well, they build a foundation that will last in their life. That is, when we choose to trust God rather than to worry, we lay a block of foundation that will stand. When we choose to forgive or seek forgiveness rather than to hold on to a grudge, we lay a block of a foundation that will stand. When we go the extra mile, when we love those who hurt us, when we give to the needy, when we make investments in eternity, when we choose not to judge, we lay blocks on a foundation, friends, that will stand. This will build a faith that will survive even the most difficult times of life. It will also build a character that will be a light and an example to others. So let me ask you this question. How is your foundation? How is your foundation? When you think of your life and the things that you are building your life upon, is it solid or is it shifting? We all kind of know when we're putting too much of our life, our hopes and dreams, our futures on something that isn't stable. Is your foundation true? Is there a chance that you've put off a degree or two? Is there a chance that you need to re-kind of measure it against the life of Jesus Christ? Where is your foundation built today? The last choice that Jesus gives us is one of authority, though. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, the Scripture says this, that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching because He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. This is the choice or question we must answer in our lives, and it's simply this. Who is your authority? Who is your authority? You know, when you teach the Bible, for as long as I have taught the Bible, you realize that the power of a sermon is in the Scripture. The authority in God's Word is far greater than the authority of anyone who shares. Sometimes I felt that all we need to do is simply read the Word of God and walk away because the power of the text is enough. It is the Bible that penetrates our hearts. It encourages, it corrects, it guides, it comforts because it is the Word of God. Now, can you imagine the authority of Jesus teaching the Word of God? God teaching the Word of God? It blew away those who were listening to Jesus as they reflected on his Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus taught through the law, it amazed them. Even their best teachers, their most educated, their most gifted, didn't have the insights that Jesus had. It was like he had a mastery of this on a whole nother level. Friends, we all choose an authority in our life. It might be an idea, a person, or a system that we follow. Some of us here today are under the illusion that we are the authority of our own lives. But when the storms of life hit, every one of us knows that we need more. Friends, Jesus is it. He's it. He is the true friend. 
He is the one that truly knows you and longs for you to know him too. He is the rock, the one who never changes. In a world that constantly changes, he is stable. He is the authority, the true north of our lives. When we get turned around, the one we come back to when we are lost, he is the one that's worth following. And he gives you a choice. A choice. You see, love requires a choice. You can't make someone love you. You give them a choice, and they choose whether or not they love you. It's homecoming season right now for many of our high schoolers, and I've been impressed by some of the demonstrations young men are putting on to get young ladies to choose to go to the homecoming dance with them. Maybe you've seen some of these on social media. Love requires a choice, and you can't make someone love you. You can't even make someone to go to a homecoming dance with you. So some of these guys have put a lot of effort in an attempt to try to sway a young girl's choice. Take a look at some of these things that young men are doing now in order to do this. These are becoming quite productions. This is like the uh, shirtless football game opportunity. She looks a little bit uncomfortable with this proposal. I don't know what you think. I think we got another one. I, this one's kind of interesting. I like cats. Would you be pretty if you went, pretty cool if you went to homecoming with me? Creative. I like the creativity that young man put together. Obviously, the football game, peer pressure in this situation. You can't say no. Got to say yes to that situation. Donuts and treats. You can always, you never go wrong with a little sweet treat. And then my favorite is this next one, this horse, right? I mean, look at the creativity that that young man went to, Right? I especially like to check the box, yay or nay, very creative, well done, right? This reminds me of me back in my school days, especially that check the box, yes or no. You know, back in my day, though, when we wanted to ask a girl out, we didn't have all these fancy signs in productions, though. We didn't even have a cell phone. We couldn't send a text message to ask anyone out. If there was a girl that we were interested, we'd just put together our best look. We combed our hair exactly the way that we could, and then we folded up a note like this. And we walked up to a young lady, and we gave her the choice of love. Kids, this is a 1980s text message right here. This is exactly what this is, Right? When I was in middle school and high school, the terminology that we used was, will you go with me? I don't even know what that means. I don't know where we would go or what we're, where we're going. But there are a few times in my school life where I approached a young lady with a choice of love and a note in my hand. I asked them to open it up. There was always instructions on in the side of the note, open this so you didn't think this was a paper football or some kind of toy. If you're, really, you, if you're really creative, you might put their name on the outside of it uh, as well. They went inside this thing, this note would be a choice whether or not to go with me to a dance, to a date, or anywhere else. Now, I have to tell you, many did not choose to go with me anywhere <laughs> with this technique. But one day, one young lady said yes. She said, I'll give it a try. And we went together. We continued to go and go and go and go together. Sometimes the going was fun. To be honest, sometimes the going has been hard. But together we've gone all over the world. We've gone to different cities on adventures. 
we now have two tagalongs that go with us wherever we go. One of those tagalongs has gone off to college on her own. We want her to come back, and next week she will. We're excited for her to come back and go a little bit longer with us as well. We've been going together officially for 23 years next month. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 25 years, if you count the years that I gave her this first note as well. And going with her has been one of the best parts of my life. But it all started with a choice. A choice. A lot can change, friends, with a simple choice. Jesus ends his message by giving us a choice. Will you follow him? Will you stay close enough to him to listen to his words? Will you obey and trust him when he tells you something that you don't initially understand? Following Jesus is a decision, and it's also a daily choice. For some of us here today, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. You have felt him draw you, but you've never responded. Maybe today is the day that you will make that decision. But following Jesus, friends, is also a daily choice. Every day, we choose again to follow in step with Jesus or to blaze our own path. On your Connect card today, you'll see there's a place for you to consider this choice. I invite you to, to take this out. This is our little note from Jesus, if you will. On the back, if you tear this off, you'll see there's a question that wraps up this series. It's the title of the series that we've been looking at for the last nine weeks. Jesus asking us that question, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Maybe you're here today and you've never answered that question. Will you decide to follow Jesus? Maybe for the very first time. If you do that, I invite you to put your name and contact information on the front. Indicate that, because I'd love to follow up with you as well. Maybe you've been following G with Jesus for a long period of time, but today you want to mark this because you want to say, I'm going to continue to make that choice to follow Jesus each and every day of my life. Will you mark yes on the card as well? Maybe you're here today and you're not ready to make that choice. I understand. This is a big choice. If you have doubts or questions, just mark no. Today I'm not ready to choose that. And if you'd like to talk with a pastor, there's a place where you can indicate that right here on the card, and I'll make it a priority to follow up with you this week to answer any questions that I possibly can. Friends, in a few moments, we're going to be partaking the sacrament of communion. Some have said that the Sermon on the Mount actually points to another mountain. The mountain where Jesus Christ gave his life. And meaning that the standard that Jesus teaches is impossible for us to follow on our own. None of us will follow Jesus perfectly. We all need his grace. So today as we consider the choice, let us also consider the price that he has paid for your sin and for mine. I invite you this morning to consider the decision that Jesus gives us. The three choices that he calls us to in his scripture here this morning. Will we choose to be his friend, one who's in relationship with him? Or will we be a fan, 
just cheering them on for a distance. When we build our life upon something solid, Him, in obedience to His Word, or we build our lives upon something that is far less stable. And the question of authority, when it comes to making decisions on what is right or wrong, or what will we do with our lives, will we build our lives upon Him, the one who is the true authority? In a few moments, we will be preparing our hearts for communion. And I invite you to respond in this way. You can fill this card up while you're waiting to enter up into communion. And there's baskets that are right up here at the rails. You can place this in the basket maybe before you receive communion. Or on the way out the door, you can place it in the offering baskets which are at the doors on the way out. It's just a statement to say, today I choose to follow Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for, for you and for the teachings that you've given us in our lives. So grateful for this act of love that you've demonstrated in an amazing way on the cross that we celebrate here in communion. And God, for the, the choice that you give us, each and every one of us, to follow you or to go our own way. Jesus, many of us here this morning are reaffirming our choice to follow you today. Today, we choose to stay in step with you again, to be close enough to hear your voice, to be close enough to obey your words. And God, we pray that you would teach us to do that more and more each and every day. Mold us and shape us in that way. But if you are here today, and today you are making the decision to follow Jesus for the very first time, won't you simply say this prayer quietly in your heart? Jesus, today, I yield my life to you. Jesus, today, I make you the authority of my life. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. I give you my life and my heart. I ask that you would enter in, fill my life, my heart with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And teach me how to live from the inside out. Today I yield to you. I hold on to the truth that I will be with you in eternity, Jesus. And I look forward to a new life, to a new adventure as I stay in step with you. I give my life to you. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the decision that you've presented to us in your text here this morning, and for the way that you teach us to live, and for the promise that you are always with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.